Roughly 30,000 people stood outside the Stafford prison on June 14, 1856. They were gathered to watch the public hanging of Palmer the Poisoner. But before he was Palmer the Poisoner, he was William Palmer, husband, father, friend, and doctor. He practiced medicine in his hometown of Staffordshire, England, and was by all accounts successful as a doctor. Gambling was his downfall, however, and he sought quick cash by collecting on his family members' life insurance policies. By the time he was brought to justice, Palmer would collect over 20,000 pounds in insurance money, and a suspected 13 people would die at his hands, including five of his own children. This is his story. William Palmer was born on August 6, 1824, to Sarah and Joseph Palmer. He was the sixth of eight children. His father worked as a sawyer and made very comfortable income for his family. Unfortunately, he died when William was 12 years old, leaving Sarah with an inheritance of 70,000 pounds, which is equivalent to roughly 6 million pounds today. The family was financially independent, and William would later abuse his mother's fortune while pursuing his own. At 17, William began working as an apprentice chemist, but was dismissed from his studies after being accused of stealing money. He then moved on to study medicine in London. He was able to finish his studies there without scandal, and was qualified as a physician in August of 1846. After earning his qualifications, he returned home to Rugley, Staffordshire, and set up a practice. During this time, he met and befriended a man named George Abbey. One evening, while spending time with George in the public house in Little Haywood, William challenged George to a drinking contest. Abbey accepted, and later that evening had to be helped home. He died in bed that night. Nothing was ever proven, but rumors circulated that William had poisoned George because he'd had an eye for his pretty wife. Soon after, William met Miss Anne Thornton, sometimes also known as Anne Brooks, as her mother had been the mistress of one Colonel Brooks. The two were married in St. Nicholas's Church on October 7, 1847. Anne's mother, also called Anne Thornton, had inherited a considerable sum of money in 1834 when Colonel Brooks died. Her inheritance at the time was 8,000 pounds, not as substantial as William's mother, but still a sizable amount for the time. It was this fortune that endeared his new mother-in-law to William, that, and the fact that she was known to lend him money on more than one occasion. In late 1848, roughly a year after the marriage, William's mother-in-law came to stay with the young couple. She was visiting for only a few short weeks before she fell gravely ill. She died in the Palmer's house on January 18, 1849. Her death certificate stated her death as the result of apoplexy, and it was signed by an older doctor by the name of Bamford. Young Anne received an inheritance that disappointed her new husband. He had expected it to be much greater and voiced his disappointment to more than just his wife. During this time, Palmer was enjoying a successful physician's practice, but still felt himself slipping into debt. He'd gotten interested in horse racing, but was not very good at predicting winners. In fact, it didn't take him long to abandon his medical practice completely and turn to the races as a sure thing for instant winnings. But he dug himself deeper and deeper into debt and could not stop betting. He eventually took to borrowing money. The most important loan 
turned out to be when he borrowed 600 pounds from a friend that he'd made at the races named Leonard Bladen. Shortly after the loan, on May 10, 1850, Bladen died in agony in the Palmer's house. His death certificate listed William Palmer as being present at the death and cited the cause of death to be an abscess in the pelvis that was the result of a hip injury over six months earlier. During the sheriff's investigation into the death of Bladen, Mrs. Palmer mentioned that she found it odd that Mr. Bladen had died with no money in his pockets, as she had known him to have very recently won a substantial amount of money at the races. Bladen's betting books were never found. Thus, there was never any official record of his having left money to Palmer. The next couple of years proved both joyous and sad for the Palmers. Their first son, William Brooks Palmer, was born either in 1848 or in 1850. The records are a bit contradictory on this. But we do know that he outlived his father and died decades later, in 1926. The couple then went on to have four more children who did not live past infancy. Elizabeth Palmer died on January 6, 1851, aged two and a half months. Henry Palmer died on January 6, 1852, at about one month old. Frank Palmer lived only seven hours and died on December 19, 1852. The final child, John Palmer, died on January 27, 1854. He was only a few days old when he passed. Infant mortality was not uncommon at the time, and these deaths did not immediately arouse suspicion, although they were made suspect after Palmer's later crimes were brought to light, and it has been widely accepted that he poisoned his children in infancy in order to avoid shouldering the expense of additional mouths to feed. During these years of sorrow and loss, Palmer continued to gamble. He was so far in debt that he began forging his mother's signature on banknotes in order to pay off his creditors. He attempted to take out three different life insurance policies on his wife and finally settled on paying £750 to Prince of Wales Insurance for a £13,000 policy. Mrs. Ann Palmer died on September 29, 1854. She was only 27 years old. At the time of her death, the cholera pandemic was widespread across Britain. It was assumed she had fallen victim to the disease along with 23,000 others. Despite the insurance payoff from his wife's policy, Palmer still owed roughly 12,000 pounds to creditors. They had discovered his forgery in an attempted payoff and threatened to speak with his mother about the fraud if he didn't pay. In desperation, William attempted to insure his brother, Walter, for £84,000. He was unsuccessful in finding a company willing to provide that kind of coverage. He settled instead on £14,000. With policy in place, brother's trust likewise secure, William set about getting his brother roaring drunk on gin and brandy. Walter Palmer died on August 16, 1855. The insurance company suspected foul play and refused to pay out. Instead, they brought inspectors to look into the case. The result was that the insurance company refused to pay on the policy and recommended further official inquiry into the death of Walter Palmer. Around this time, William got involved with his housemaid, Eliza Tame. The two had an illegitimate son, Alfred, who was born on June 26 or 27, 1855. 
the two extra mouths placed an additional financial burden on Palmer. The pressure was building, and Palmer was losing control. While his financial situation worsened, his friend John Parsons Cook was on an uptick. The pair attended a series of races called the Shrewsbury Handicap Stakes that would run between November 13th and 15th. On the 14th, while still at the races, Palmer received a letter from a creditor. The man threatened to visit his mother if Palmer did not make good on his debt soon. That same day, Cook and Palmer each bet on a horse. Cook bet on Polestar and Palmer on the chicken. At the end of the race, Palmer had lost heavily, but Cook had won 3,000 pounds. After that, the two men were seen celebrating at a pub called The Raven. Palmer caused a scene at one point when Cook complained that his brandy had burned his throat. Palmer went a bit overboard, trying to convince onlookers that there was nothing strange in Cook's glass. His performance only stood out as odd and would later be used against him. That evening, Cook got violently ill. Between his bouts of vomiting, he told two friends, George Herring and Ishmael Fisher, I believe that damn Palmer has been dosing me. On the 15th, the two returned to Rugley, where Cook booked a room at the Talbot Arms, and Palmer returned home. Cook seemed to have recovered somewhat from his illness and agreed to meet Palmer for coffee on the 17th. He felt even more sick during the visit. At this point, Palmer took responsibility for Cook and situated the man in his own home. While Cook was being cared for in one of the rooms, another crisis was occurring in the Palmer household. Little Alfred came down ill. The poor child was so weak from his illness that he was not able to last through the night. He died the same day Cook came into the house. Though his young son was gravely ill and close to death, Palmer remained steadfast in his administrations to his ill friend. A bowl of soup was sent for Cook from his solicitor. It was a kind gesture meant to improve health and spirits. Palmer took the soup from the solicitor at the door and was slow in delivering it to the cook to heat for the patient. The cook tasted the soup while preparing it, testing that it was hot enough. Two spoonfuls were enough to satisfy her that it was so. She ladled it into a bowl and brought it to Cook in his room. The cook, Miss Elizabeth Mills, fell ill shortly after delivering the soup. She spent the rest of the afternoon laid up and recovering. Cook ate the entire bowl. His sickness and vomiting was almost immediately worse than ever. He suffered all through that evening and into the next day. Palmer took it upon himself to collect the man's winnings the next morning. He even made an additional stop on his charitable rounds. From a Dr. Salt, Palmer purchased three grains of strychnine, which he then put into two pills. These pills were subsequently administered to Cook. Cook languished in the Palmer house for a total of four days before he died on the 21st at 1 a.m. He died screaming in pain that he was suffocating. Cook's stepfather, William Stevens, represented the family and arrived to collect Cook and his belongings. Palmer said that Cook's betting books were lost and that the man owed 4,000 pounds in outstanding bills. Stevens was suspicious and requested an inquest of the authorities. The request was granted, and meanwhile, Palmer obtained a death certificate that stated the cause of death as apoplexy. As part of the investigation, a post-mortem examination was required. 
It was performed on November 26th by a medical student named Charles Devonshire and an assistant, Charles Newton. Palmer was in attendance and interfered with the examination by bumping into Devonshire when he lifted the full stomach out of the body. The contents of the stomach spilled out and only a small amount remained uncontaminated and testable. Newton was drunk, and this served to give Palmer an opportunity to further tamper with the samples, which were resultingly of no use to the toxicologist, Dr. Alfred Swain Taylor. He complained to the courts that the samples were too small and tainted and that they were nearly untestable. While the stomach contents were small, Dr. Taylor was able to conduct a few tests. He found no evidence of poison, but still stated that it was his belief that Cook had died of poisoning. William Palmer was arrested for murder and forgery. While he was being held at Stafford Goal, he threatened to go on hunger strike. He backed off on his threat when the governor informed him that if he followed through, he would be force-fed. The details of the case, including the children's deaths, had been well covered in the local newspapers. The result of this was that an unbiased jury could not be found in Staffordshire, and the trial had to be relocated to the Old Bailey in London. The bodies of both Anne Thornton and William's brother Walter were ordered to be exhumed and examined. However, Walter's body was far too decomposed to yield any findings. Anne's body was another matter. There were still traces of antimony in all of her organs, which suggested poisoning. At the trial, Palmer's cook and chambermaid, Elizabeth Mills, testified to her experience of falling ill after tasting the soup. She also disclosed Cook's deathbed accusation that Palmer had poisoned him. The jury deliberated for just over an hour before returning with a guilty verdict. Palmer was sentenced to public execution by hanging and was sent to Stafford Prison to await his sentence. On June 14, 1856, over 30,000 people gathered to watch Palmer the Poisoner hang. As he approached the gallows, he looked at the trapdoor over which he was about to stand and asked in a dark attempt at humor, Are you sure it's safe? That's it for this week. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode about Palmer the Poisoner. If you like the podcast, please subscribe and feel free to leave us a comment as it helps others find us more easily. Help spread the word by liking us on Facebook or following on Twitter and Tumblr. Also, be sure to check out our new Patreon page. For those of you who haven't heard of it, Patreon is a crowdfunding site that helps independent artists, musicians, writers, YouTube artists, and podcasters like me. The primary difference between Patreon and other crowdfunding sites like Kickstarter is that contributors, or patrons, donate small amounts on a subscription basis rather than single larger donations. Patrons get perks too, like special thanks on the website, handwritten ransom notes, and so on. So I encourage you to check us out on Patreon, and if you can, donate. It really does help. As always, if you have any questions, comments, or an idea for a podcast, please send us a message at info at brutalhens.com. Until next time.